Sexy History, where we talk about two things as old as time, sex and history. We're uncovering what's under the covers, so roll your condoms on, because we're about to go deep. As always, the Catholic Church is a cockblock. So because of that, we have to split this episode into two different sections. We are going to first start with the scholarly church books, the law books, making the laws incredibly biased, and I believe they do not represent society's view towards sex. With that, the first section will be from the legal Catholic perspective, and the second half will be about the medieval peasants' attitudes towards sex and masturbation. Ooh, let's get into it, shall we? While even today we try to follow the law, some of our laws do not represent mass ideology. For example, most Americans believe in pro-choice. However, from a legal perspective, Roe v. Wade was recently overturned, meaning this can lead future generations to thinking we were anti-choice. And with that, the Supreme Court can thoroughly fist themselves. Well, that was a proper way to start an episode. If I don't invite someone to get fucked, would this really be a sexy podcast? Most of our ideas around the medieval time period are from the church. The church kept records. This was because they were more educated than the average person. Think about why the church wrote so much. When you can write laws and keep track of things, people, ideas, whatever, the institution generally has more control over the populace. And as a side note, we do know that the church is well known for burning books, so there's a lot of lost knowledge. Therefore, we have more written records than regular people's records. Twitter wasn't exactly invented yet, but they did deliver messages by carrier pigeons. Anyways, scholarly research is based mainly off of written records. But who decided what academia was? Educated white men. Therefore, we, and I mean Western society, has based most of our schooling around written records, and it is assumed that the ideas of the church were then the ideas of the mass population. However, I do not think that is true. So today's episode will challenge what you think you know about the medieval time period and sex. So let's start off with Catholicism. To understand the church's beliefs around sex, we need to understand that marriage and misogyny was the core of what they fundamentally believed to be right. In Western cultures, this still reigns true, so this is easy to understand. But women were literally property. A dowry was a father paying another family to take his daughter. That is how lowly women were valued. To understand opinions about masturbation, we need to go over marital laws. It will make more sense, and to be frank, some of the shit I'm about to pop off on is wild. <laughs> and I'm not going to gatekeep that tea, honey. No, no, not me, boo. No, thank you. We all know about consent. I assume you do if you are listening to this podcast. If sex was not allowed before marriage, when was it allowed? Well, I have a linked source chart to the days that normal people could have sex. Out of 365 days, they could have sex on 73 
days out of the year. Because many regular days, like Wednesdays, and holidays were not allowed. Sadly, that is still more sex than some couples today. Anyways, a man and a woman needed to have sex to consummate their marriage. After two months of marriage, there was an assumed consent in marriage, where a man legally could rape his wife. She was his wife, his property, her body, finances, and consent belonged to him. It is known that the church was abhorrently against women. I will get into the church's hatred of women in another episode, but that is such a huge topic that will take me a lot of research and time to truly do it justice, so we're gonna have to wait on that one. The first touch of the couple was watched by either a priest, parents, or some ones that knew the newlyweds. Yes, groups were not uncommon to watching the consummation of a marriage. The church pushed the belief that the best and most acceptable way to conceive a child was in missionary positions. See, men, the patriarch is bad for you, too. Why do you think you've been busting your balls in that position for so long? Because that's the narrative old white men pushed. It was generally believed by the people that the conception of a child was more likely if a woman orgasmed. We love that. The woman's job was to have babies and raise them. That, according to the church, was all we were good for. Honestly, the church gives me ick. On this same note, men thought from a medical thought leader of the time in the 14th century, this is the same man who believed women should orgasm uh, to become pregnant. They believed that if a man raped a woman, it was most likely brutal, therefore she will receive no pleasure and would not get pregnant. But this created a legal black hole, because if a woman got pregnant from the rape, that means she enjoyed it, so then therefore no rape happened. But if she doesn't conceive, then there's most likely little evidence in her trial against her predator. While they tried to outlaw brothels, just like in the Old West, they found it benefited society and created red light districts to decrease crimes like rape against women. Switching gears, the laws of medieval times, while each place varied, the church generally dictated that infertile couples could not separate. If they wished to remarry, it was a lengthy process, around seven years. In certain cases, they allowed remarriage, like if a woman committed adultery against her husband, he was free to remarry. However, if he committed adultery against her, she could only leave him if she moved to a convent and never remarried, and therefore could never have sex again. Women were considered the weaker sex, therefore they advised women to find a husband as soon as possible because the church and people believed medically that a woman needed sex to stay healthy. And if she could not find a husband, a woman was advised to go to a midwife to have her finger her till climax. Yes, I do have a direct source on this. Please go to my YouTube and check it out. But back to nuns. Did you know that in a Paris convent, an ivory dildo was found hidden in an armchair? I mean, of course this was in French, you naughty girls. 
Have I linked a picture to this? Yes, absolutely, and you're welcome. Now that you know the laws around marriage and sex, let's dive into the rules and thoughts on masturbation and gay relations. Masturbation, sex before marriage, and gay sex, meaning man-on-man, were all considered sodomy. Today, when people refer to sodomy, it mainly means gay sex, but in the 500s to the 1400s, it was all of these things. So, if you aren't committing sodomy, but you're still a horny dog, you're clearly going to be having sex dreams, right? Sex dreams and masturbation were the lesser sins that the church was concerned about, but they were still concerned because they believed these polluting thoughts and actions affected a Christian's spiritual health and lust was one of the seven deadly sins. Gay sex was not acceptable, but there is not much said about female relations. Lesbianism wasn't necessarily illegal. It was not understood. Men couldn't understand how a woman could possibly receive pleasure from another woman without a penis. It is abundantly clear this idea still lasts today considering the memes about the infamous and yet still elusive clitoris. Dildos did exist, and if women used dildos, then they were considered challenging the hierarchy of sex. Please listen to the first episode on the Greeks' views of sexuality if you don't know about the hierarchy. For example, a woman named Kyrsira? Queer Sira, which I mean it would make sense if it was queer. I'm not sure how to say it, but she was banished from Bologna in 1295 for having sex with other women using a dildo-like device. Catherine Heseldorf, again, I don't know how to say this, she was arrested for pretending to be another woman's husband. She made a strap-on dildo of red leather filled with cotton and wood stick. It had a string attached, which she used to strap onto her. In court, they said that the dildo, but they only referred to it as, quote, thing, since they didn't have a common name for dildos, was, quote, half as big as an arm. When she had the strap on, it was said that she would have her manly ways with the woman. She was drowned for this crime. But other than those few examples, there really isn't much on lesbianism. Men, if found committing gay sex, were burned with witches. The witches were tied to the stake while the gay men were with the fags. Fags were what they called sticks. Gay men were beneath a woman and burned alive. This is where the meaning fag comes from. While these punishments are outrageous, from what I have read, lesbianism was treated much less severely than gay sex and gay masturbation. A common thread I am noticing is that it has to do with the spilling of seed. Masturbation was sodomy because it literally spilled seed. Masturbation was worse for men because they had a substance that expelled out of their body. Women, again, were more confusing. And just like today's medical knowledge, society didn't and still doesn't understand the female body. I saw a study the other day that even though women, postmenopausal, for decades have been complaining of a frozen shoulder, Medical professionals did not believe the woman, until recently it was confirmed as a real medical issue as of December 2023. But I digress. Let's get back to the boys now. It was wasteful for a man to come outside of a pussy. 
he could only come for procreation. To get around this, men engaging in sex would do fornication interruptus, meaning they would come not in utero. They would not come in a woman. Or he would just stop sex so he didn't come. It was not okay for them to have sex for fun. I could go on and on about what the church thought and wanted and yada yada yada, but just because a major institution was able to save most records, that doesn't mean they accurately portrayed real life or what normal people thought. Since we have thoroughly gone over the church's viewpoint on sex, we can move on to all the regulars, the regular people, the peasants. Many of the constructs we love today simply did not exist, and if it did, it was only for the uber-wealthy. There was no concept of privacy. Having a bedroom to yourself was not common. And this is key to understanding what actually happened to the regular folk who could not afford to live in castles. There wasn't much privacy considering how homes were built. It wasn't until building materials became cheaper that homes started to have more than one room. Building materials became cheaper because Europe was stealing resources from the New World and the Reformation of the Church, aka the split between Protestant and Catholicism. Privacy was for the rich because they could have bigger multi-room homes. Most families would sleep in one room, maybe even one bed. So your parents could literally have sex in bed next to you. Talk about generational trauma. Well, then again, they would watch their kids consummate their marriage, so I doubt this was traumatic. Public sex was also not uncommon. Prostitution was, air quotes, illegal because they didn't have a police force. Public sentiment ruled the land. Unless there were knights in town to enforce laws, there wasn't much of a police presence. Therefore, when sex workers needed to work, but they didn't have a place, it was in public. Sex workers and their clients would get into trouble not for having sex in public, but because they were doing it in the wrong area of the city. Towns even had single bars where non-penetrative sex was common in public. Pre the invention of mass printed maps, street names were named after what you could find on that street. Miller Street, you could find Miller's. Market Street, there was the market. And Grape Street, or what today would be named Grape Street, was where you could get sex. This is because in Old English, it was grope street. A's and O's sounded similar. Now it's Grape Street, because I doubt a town would let Grope be a street name. One last note about public sex and nudity. The average person did not have a place in their home for a bath, so everyone, men, women, kids, would have to go to communal bathhouses. Yes, you would bathe with other people. I am sure most of the time these were gendered bathhouses, I did find some bathhouses, though. The photo is in my source notes, where the clients would be in a bathtub with either a friend or a sex worker, and there would be a piece of wood placed between them so they could eat. They could bathe and talk to each other. I wonder if these bathhouses would be on Bath Street or Grope Street. But 
Enough on sex, let's get to the highest form of self-love. Masturbation. Not ejaculating was also considered medically bad, which we now know that this is good for a man's prostate. Men and women were encouraged to ejaculate regularly. Men needed to keep their bodies cool and women needed to warm their bodies. So women were encouraged to have sex more with their husbands, of course, or to go to a midwife. The church wanted it to be through marriage, but medically and conventionally it was considered okay to touch yourself. Celibacy, the act of abstaining from sex and masturbation, was considered a death sentence. Doctors thought ejaculation warmed the male body, so a diet that kept the body cool like vinegar vegetables and evergreen shrub tea was encouraged. They discouraged celibate men from eating eggs and meat because their genitals were close to the stomach, and it was thought that semen was digested food. People thought these foods would make a man horny. They even discouraged beans because they would produce gas, and farting makes men horny. This is according to the medical thought of the time, and honestly, I agree. <laughs> Atomically, ejaculation, blood, or any fluid that could come out of the body was more or less the same. This means that crying and bloodletting were the same as coming. So if you were horny, you could just cry if you didn't want to sin. I guess both are chemical releases, but there's definitely one I would rather do more. So in the medieval times, if they considered celibacy a death sentence, why? There are records that we have of men dying from celibacy but they were all either royalty or clergy. There was a priest who was promoted to bishop, and he did not want this, as he was quite the player, if you know what I mean. But after he was promoted, he became celibate. And after a month, he became ill, his balls swelled, and became red. The doctor advised him to masturbate, and his family encouraged him to secretly take a woman but he refused to break his vow of celibacy and subsequently died a few days later. And with stories like this, I can understand why they thought it was a death sentence. In medieval times, though, celibacy was bad for both sexes. Women could be celibate like nuns, but they were encouraged to please themselves so they did not die from, quote, a suffocating womb. Yeah, they thought that the buildup of seed in the body would cause fainting, shortness of breath, and eventually death. I said it before, but women who were not married could touch themselves or go to a medical professional and have the professional stimulate them to orgasm. It was okay and not sinful if they did this, as people and the church thought it was necessary for life. But obviously, if you were religious, you would need to say your penance. Okay, for fun, if you look in my sources, I have pictures from women who drew dick trees and phallic objects in their Bibles. I understand that the church saying masturbation is not okay, but then saying it is okay is a bit of a catch-22. 
Masturbation was a lesser sin that the church and society rarely dealt with. The whole idea was masturbation in moderation. This is just the tip of the dick, and there's so much deeper we could go. But I wanted to start us off nice and slow. And that is all I have for you today. Please let me know what you think. All of the sources are linked in my YouTube. And you can find me on socials at Meglagoof, M-E-G-L-A-G-O-O-F, or Sexy History Podcast, which I'm so sorry I'm not as active on. Please come again tomorrow and the next day, and all over your partner or your right hand. Bye!